Good morning, Lake City. How you all doing? Awesome. Good to see you today. So we're continuing our sermon series called Christmas Stories with a sermon today called Embracing the Unexpected. You know, the story of Christmas is a story of just one surprise after another. We celebrate Christmas every year, so we might just be a little bit too familiar with it. We might not think about how surprising some of these things are. But have you ever paused to consider how many strange, how many peculiar, how many unexpected things happened that first Christmas? How God waited a thousand years after King David to bring about the great Messiah? And 700 years after Isaiah's prophecy? And then another 400 years after the last prophet Malachi had given his prediction about the coming Messiah? And then when the action began to roll, God came to an unwed mother in an out-of-the-way backwater town called Nazareth. Then he had Caesar decree a worldwide census to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, the very place where the Messiah was to be born. And on that night when Jesus was born, he gave the birth announcement to shepherds. Of all people, it wasn't the power brokers or the dignitaries of his day, but uncouth, dirty shepherds who were invited to come and witness his birth. And then God sent magi, these astrologers from a pagan country, Chaldea, to come and worship the newborn king. And then Joseph took Mary and the Christ child to Egypt the very place where God had called his people out of slavery centuries before. Indeed, the story of Christmas is surprising in many ways. There are twists and turns, one after the other, that we simply wouldn't expect. But I think that this just highlights the fact that sometimes the best gifts in life come in the most unexpected ways. How God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are above our thoughts. His wisdom superior to ours. And so today we're going to consider some of the unexpected turns of that first Christmas. Specifically, we're going to reflect upon the birth parents of Jesus, our Messiah. So if you haven't already, once you find your sermon notes or grab them off the tables just outside the doors, they're also available on your app, the Lake City app. And also turn with me to Luke chapter 1, please, if you have your Bible. Let's consider how great, just how great Jesus is beyond our expectations. And we begin with Mary's story. You know, in this year that we know as 2020, a year that is packed, has been packed full of the unforeseen, I think it's very valuable for us to consider how God delights in using the unexpected to accomplish some of his greatest work. So if this season is hard for you, or if 2020 has been hard for you, here's a story that I think you should consider. It's the story of an ordinary young woman named Mary. Very ordinary young woman. Now, her story, and most of you know it already, is definitely not how you and I would have written this script, but it was precisely God's plan. 
Mary was a very ordinary young woman, and in saying that, I don't mean to diminish her character or her faith at all. What I'm really talking about is her ordinary background. You see, Mary, Mary was a very young girl, most likely a teen between the ages of 14 and 17. And her family was pretty ordinary as well, not famous or well off from all that we can tell. She lived in a very ordinary town. Nazareth was a very insignificant small village, which was labeled by the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So when you look at Mary's situation, there was nothing all that remarkable about her other than her faith, which of course is very remarkable, very significant. There's one other remarkable thing about Mary, however, that I want to look at with you right now, and that was this unexpected visit she had from an angel, an unexpected visit. See, the first time that we see Mary is in Luke 1, and here she's greeted by an angel named Gabriel. And to say that she was startled and taken aback would be an understatement. So Gabriel comforts Mary, and then with a few words, he sort of turns her world upside down. She was going to become the mother, and she was going to become a mother of a child who would take on the throne of King David, a kingdom that would never end. So far, so good until she learns who the baby's father would be. This was no ordinary conversation, understand. The angel Gabriel was no ordinary visitor, and her baby would be no ordinary son. Indeed, Mary was an ordinary young woman, a sinner saved by grace like each one of us. But of course, she was a little troubled and confused by this news. An astounding message is what the, she had just received, the most astounding message any woman has ever heard, to be the mother of the Savior of the world. Think about it. And so she totally asks an ordinary important, but important question. How will this be, since I am a virgin? Gabriel answers that she will become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In other words, your son will not have a human father. He will be the Son of God. He will be the Messiah. And instantly, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. And at this moment, Mary believes. She believed what the angel told her. Instead of worrying about all that would change in her life, including how she was going to have that awkward conversation with Joseph, Mary replied with this extraordinary response. Please listen as I read her words of faith in Luke 1.38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, Mary's response actually should be a very ordinary response for God's people. God gives us direction. We respond with faithful humility. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? However, for many Christians today, such quick, humble obedience, I think, is rare. And Mary's response 
therefore, is really ordinary in a sense. It's more our lack of faith that makes hers appear extraordinary. Think about it. She didn't challenge or doubt what the angel said, even though I'm sure she had many huge unanswered questions. What would Joseph think? What would her parents say? How will she endure the the disgrace from the public? And what exactly will her future be like? And yet Mary simply believed in faith. If God called her to do something, he will make it possible for her to do what he asks. And if you and I take nothing else from the Christmas season, may it be that we follow the example of an ordinary young girl who more than anything wanted what God wanted for her life. I'd like to read for you an extended passage from Max Lucado's book, Because of Bethlehem. Max Lucado is one of my favorite authors, and especially as he describes these Christmas stories that we're so familiar with, I think he especially brings them to life. And this one is fast-forwarding to Bethlehem and the birth of our Lord. I quote, As much as Mary tried to keep a good attitude, she was far from home. Miles away from her family in her own bed. She had spent the last few days on crowded roads enduring the winter chill. Money was scarce. Friends were nowhere near. A warm bed and a hot meal. The prospects were slim. Ask her which was worse, the pain in her heart or the pain in her back. And she'd be hard-pressed to make a choice. Her heart ached for her family. She felt estranged from them. Under normal circumstances, they would have been thrilled to learn of her pregnancy. But pregnant before a wedding? With her conservative family and her bizarre explanation? And to have to tell the man she was to marry that she was carrying a child that wasn't his. It was a miracle that he still married her. And another miracle was what she needed that night. She'd envisioned giving birth at home, mom holding one hand and an aunt the other, a midwife, doting relatives, Joseph, and a crowd of neighbors outside the door. Perhaps if they could all have experienced the birth of her firstborn, then they would believe her story. At least that's how I imagine Mary felt. Of course, I could be wrong. Perhaps the trough and stable were her idea, but I don't think so. I've never met a mother-to-be who dreams of using a cow stall as a delivery room and a manger for a bassinet. I doubt Mary did either. And so when Joseph returned from the inn and asked if she was allergic to sheep, it's a safe hunch to say that she was chagrined. This wasn't how she planned to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Joseph led the donkey down a path that ended at the mouth of a cave used as long as anyone could remember as a barn. He lowered Mary off the back of the donkey, looked into her face, fatigued and powdery from the road. He apologized for the austere accommodations. She touched his cheek and smiled and entered the grotto. Joseph built a fire and heated water. Mary cleared a spot on the straw and set about the task of bringing God into the world. 
with cows as her witnesses and Joseph as her midwife, she did just that. Within moments, the hand of the star hanger clutched her finger. The feet of the sky walker lay in Joseph's palm. No wonder the angels filled the sky with worship. Any doubt of the father's love disappeared the night God was wrapped in barnyard towels so that the hay wouldn't scratch his back. In that moment, Mary knew it was worth it. The ache in her back, the ache in her heart, they faded away. The questions of how, the wonderings of when, they didn't linger. The inn had no place for her son. That was okay. He would find a place in people's hearts. She and Joseph were far from home on the night of Jesus' birth. That too was all right. Jesus was even farther from his. There was no warm bed in which Jesus could sleep. No problem. In spite of the chaos, Christ came. Through a scandalous pregnancy, an imposed census, an untimely trip, and an overcrowded inn, God triumphed in Mary's story. End quote. And so Mary stands out for her amazing courage in the midst of the unexpected. And she is an inspiration to us as we go through faith-stretching events in our life today. Next, I want to take a closer look with you at Joseph's side of the story that's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 1. Joseph's story, Matthew 1, beginning at verse 18. And like we saw with Mary, he too is portrayed as an ordinary young man. Joseph also lived in Nazareth. His father was a carpenter, or perhaps more accurately, a master builder, a craftsman. And so Joseph grew up learning that trade. In other words, he was a blue-collar worker. He understood long hours and sore muscles and chapped hands. Nothing wrong, of course, with that. But it's worth noting that God did not choose someone who was wealthy or famous to be the earthly father of his son. Matthew simply describes Joseph as a man who was just or righteous. That's verse 19. And that simply means that he obeyed, he followed the law of God, which in his day, the law and prophets, that's our Old Testament. What is highlighted by Matthew is his unexpected dream. An unexpected dream. Since Joseph was a just man, he decided he would end their engagement quietly rather than shame Mary by doing it publicly. But before he had the chance to follow through with that plan, he was given this unexpected dream. We read it in Matthew 1, beginning at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which means God with us. God with us in the chaos, God with us in the uncertainty, and in the unprecedented. When I think about that amazing dream, I think about a question. You see, essentially, God was asking this young man, Joseph, do you really trust me? Sometimes people use this expression. They say, wow, man, I didn't see that coming. In fact, I think that might be a good summary of 2020. What do you think? <laughs> didn't see all that coming, right? The way I picture it, Joseph was looking forward to simply taking Mary as his wife and settling down in Nazareth and raising a family together. I don't think he saw this coming at all. And so God was essentially saying, Joseph, do you trust me? I know this isn't the usual way. I realize this isn't how you expected it to go. But do you trust me? And I believe God is asking us that very same question today. Like Mary, Joseph was an ordinary person, but his faith and obedience to God were extraordinary, which of course led to this extraordinary response in verse 24 and 25. Listen to how Matthew summarizes it. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. wonder if Joseph had any idea of the kind of chaos that his life would be thrown into as a result of that assignment from God, as a result of his willing obedience. But in spite of all the chaos, Christ came into our world. You see, chaos cannot keep Christ out of his world. Well, that's Mary's story, and that's Joseph's story. Both of them had such unexpected things thrown at them. And both of them responded with remarkable courage and faith. I want to transition now kind of to our day. And to do that, I've asked Pastor Mark to come and share a wonderful story that I heard him talking about last Tuesday. It's a great illustration of how God can use something unexpected and inconvenient like a virus to bring about something very good. So let's give Mark a warm welcome as he comes up now. Good morning, Lake City. For those of you that are liking my Christmas sweater, just remember the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet. <laughs> as Jim mentioned, I had a second opportunity last week to go down to Louisiana and I went down with an organization called the Billy Graham Rapid Response Team, and they serve alongside the Samaritan's Purse Disaster Relief, supporting folks recovering from Hurricane Laura and Hurricane Delta. Tremendous ministry. And what we do in the mornings when the Samaritan's Purse teams are set up, we pray out the teams before they go to the homeowner sites and start working on the projects. And Thursday morning of that last week, I saw a young man who had a Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran hat on. I said, hey, fellow OIF veteran, really good to meet you. It was a fun encounter. And uh, 
went later on to the work sites, and, and there he was out there. And I engaged him in conversation. I said, so what, what brought you out for the day to work with Samaritan's Purse? And he shared this really, really amazing story, a difficult story. He says, my wife just kicked me out of the house, and I'm staying with my father. Uh, I've been struggling with alcohol addiction, and a while ago, in a drunken stupor, I took a 22 pistol to the side of my head, and I pulled the trigger. He survived a suicide attempt, and here I am talking with him. And he said, the doctor said that if I kept drinking, it would, it would really affect my brain injuries. So the doctor said, smoke marijuana instead. Thanks a lot, doc. So now he's addicted to marijuana. And uh, going through AA treatment program, they talk about a higher power greater than yourself. And, and when he shared that, I said, Shannon, uh, could I tell you about the one whom I think is the highest power? And he said, yes. And so just opening up a, a simple booklet called Steps to Peace with God, I, I walked Shannon through the gospel. And it's got one of these wonderful pictures of a canyon, a separation between us and God, and then a cross making the bridge between. And, and I said, in this picture, where do you see yourself? And he clearly said, I am, I'm on the wrong side of the cross. And I said, do you want to get on the other side? And he said, yes. And I had the privilege of praying with Shannon as he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and his Savior. And it's amazing that God would spare a man's life so that he could save a man's soul. And he would take a retired Army chaplain from Washington State going down to rural Louisiana to share the gospel with a man whose heart has been prepared to receive Christ. So I'd ask you, just please remember to pray for Shannon. He's got a long road to go, but he is, he's on the right road now. Love that story, and thank you, Mark, for sharing that, and uh, even more for uh, your interest in going down and, and being helped. What Mark didn't share is that uh, he had three overseas mission trips planned this uh, last fall to train pastors, and all of them were canceled due to the coronavirus. How fortunate, however, for this young veteran in Louisiana. Amen? Once again, we see how God uses unexpected circumstances to accomplish some of his greatest work. And with that in view, I want to turn our thoughts now to our own story. So I'm talking about my story. I'm talking about your story right now. 2020 has been a stretching year for most of us. I suppose some people may not have been all that impacted, but I believe the vast majority of people have been sort of jolted by all the events of this past year, which raises the question, how are we responding to all of that? I don't know if you noticed in the uh, bumper video that we picked for our Christmas series, it ends with this line, it's a key question, and it's this, what kind of story will your life tell? What kind of story will your life tell? You see, the greater the chaos, the greater the, the trials and the pain, the greater the unexpected, the greater the opportunity for us to be a light to others. And it's worth us asking the question, what kind of story is my life telling? 
With that in mind, I want to take the last few minutes to talk about some next steps with you, some application steps. And here's the first one. I will look for God in the midst of the unexpected. I will look for God in the midst of the unexpected. In other words, don't just assume that things are out of control or that God doesn't have a plan for this season. Don't despair. Don't give in to worry or fear. Instead, ask God, God, what are you doing and how do I, how do I fit into that? Last week, my wife was talking with another mother who has high school students and this mother was talking about a conversation she had with her senior son about the challenges of the past year. By the way, I love that picture. I commend that kind of open, honest communication. Anyway, to the surprise of this other mother, she said, my son told me that from his perspective, 2020 was actually the best year of my life because it had caused him to grow so much spiritually. Now that's looking for God in the midst of the unexpected, which is something I think we should all be doing right now. Whatever your unexpected looks like today, please look for God in it. Ask him for wisdom and discernment and make sure that you let him be the Lord of it. And especially in these days, don't try to do life alone. We need the encouragement and the support of other believers now more than ever. Unfortunately, I hear of and talk to people who feel sort of isolated right now. And it reminds me of Hebrews 10. God's word reminds us, consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds not abandoning our own meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Listen, beloved, we can see the day drawing near. Amen? And so all the more we need to encourage one another. We need to stimulate each other to love and good deeds, as that says. Enjoy the fellowship of others. And that's sustaining grace. Whether that be in small groups or with a few friends or in person at church, if you're comfortable doing that, the truth is God created us to need each other. We're better together. I was sent an email this week about a recent Gallup poll that struck my interest. In this Gallup poll, Americans were asked about their mental health in the midst of this past year's harsh circumstances. And the numbers in the poll indicate that more Americans overall are struggling with mental health issues like depression and anxiety right now. No big surprise there, but they're the lowest, the worst numbers in the last 20 years. But when the data was broken down by demographics, one group in particular emerged as seemingly more resilient. That group, the big winner is what, what they called it, the Gallup poll said, that big winner on the mental health survey is churchgoers who attend services at least once a week. 46% said they are doing excellent or good in spite of the coronavirus. Listen, beloved, when, we, when things are chaotic and unexpected, we need others more than ever. 
And we need to recognize that God is in the midst of the times that we are living in. Here's next step number two. I will trust God, God's sovereignty amidst the unexpected. I will trust God's sovereignty. And that word sovereignty refers to the fact that God is in control. Even when it feels like things are out of control, the Bible reminds us he is absolutely in control and we can trust him. Don't you suppose that Joseph and Mary had a few questions about what God was doing in their lives? Think about all they went through. Friends, Christmas reminds us that God is God and we're not. He can arrange for a virgin to become pregnant. He can cause a Roman emperor to order a census at precisely the right time in history. He can ensure a baby will be born exactly in the village prophesied 700 years earlier. He can put a star in the sky at the right moment and he can bring together angels and shepherds and wise men to celebrate his marvelous birth. He can take a tiny baby born in a stable and make that baby the savior of the world. Question, if God can do all that, what are we so worried about? By the way, the baby in the manger means God is fixing what has gone wrong with the world. It's a big job, and 2,000 years later, the work is still being done. But a light shines from the manger to tell us that darkness will not win in the end. And Christmas means that Jesus can carry the full weight of all our problems for the government will be upon his shoulders. So if our concern is that things feel out of control, then the answer comes from heaven. Our Lord is in charge. He reigns from heaven amid the chaos we see in our world today. And he will reign forever. And his kingdom will never end. Let the weary world rejoice. By the way, in three weeks from today, my sermon for the first week of the new year is going to be 2020 in Bible prophecy. We're going to be talking about some of the current events of this past year and how they fit into what God says is coming. Please don't miss it. I'm so excited about that. You know, when it looks like God isn't taking care of us like a God should, we need to remember that God knows a whole lot more about what's going on in this world than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His wisdom superior to our own. Listen, beloved, God takes care of his people. He will lead us and provide for us. He truly is sovereign amidst the unexpected. Here's next step number three. I will worship Jesus by embracing the unexpected. I will worship him by embracing the unexpected. There was a subtle distinction in my mind, at least, between trusting and embracing. Okay, embracing to me implies a greater intentionality or a greater degree of trust. And what I'm suggesting is that God wants each of us as his children to worship him, to worship Jesus by embracing, maybe even celebrating, 
the unexpected he allows into our lives. In Romans 5, the Apostle Paul put it like this. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. A beautiful expression of that truth was sent to me earlier this week as a suggestion for this service. We decided that it would fit well at this point in the sermon. It's a song that's a play on the words of one of our favorite Christmas carols. And honestly, when I saw the title of the song, uh, I didn't like it at first. I wasn't even sure I wanted to, to listen to it. But when I listened to it, I was struck by the power of the words and how true they are. So please enjoy, O come all ye unfaithful.
so much, Daniela and worship team. Come see what God has done. Christ is born for you. Indeed, God's best gifts often come in unexpected ways. Let's worship Jesus by embracing the unexpected. And then finally, number four, I will invite others to receive God's unexpected gift too. I'll invite others to meet his son. Every one of us likely knows someone who needs to receive God's gift of forgiveness and salvation. This year, more than ever, let's share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We have two more sermons after today left in the sermon series, plus three Christmas Eve candlelight services planned for you and your family and for your friends encourage you on your way out today to pick up the, the invite card that looks like this on the little round black tables. Pick up as many as you need. We have lots. Pass them out. Give them to somebody. You can invite someone to, to meet you here on Christmas Eve. You can invite someone to listen online. The, the website's there if, you, if they can't come. But take this opportunity this year to invite others to receive God's unexpected gift. The words of the song we just heard say, Come see what God has done. Christ was born for you. Again, why was he born? The song answered that well. He's the lamb who was given, slain for our pardon. His promise is peace for all who believe. Jesus came as the sacrifice to pay the price for our pardon from sin. Amazingly, Jesus came to earth. He was born of Joseph and Mary for that specific purpose, to die for us. If you haven't received him yet as your own Savior, today would be a good time to do that. I invite you to do that before we conclude today. And I'll give you an opportunity in a minute as we close in prayer. Would you please pray with me? Let's bow. Father God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ, that baby born in Bethlehem's manger, who grew up to be the Savior of the world and died in our place on a cross and rose again as our victorious King. 
Thank you, Father, that you are sovereign over all things in this world, over nations, over rulers, over edicts. And thank you that you are working to bring about the final chapter of history that you have predicted. In the meantime, Father, we pray you'd help us not to give up and grow weary, that you'd help us to walk in a humble obedience and to serve you faithfully. We thank you for the gift of forgiveness and eternal life in Jesus. And friend, if you're listening, you've never received Jesus as your own Savior, I invite you just silently in your heart to pray something like this. You can just say, Father, I need your forgiveness. I believe I admit that I've sinned against you. All have sinned and fall short of your glory, and I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus Christ today as your solution for sin. I receive him by faith. And Lord, we thank you for sending him into our world for that very reason. We give him our worship and praise. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.